My name is Scott Chaloner and this is the Leaders' Council podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us on a crisp autumn day here in the capital and I'm delighted to say that joining me on today's show is Steve O'Brien, founder and CEO of tech company New Icon Limited and the adjoined New Icon Academy. Uh, Steve, welcome and thank you for joining us today. Oh yeah, nice to be here. Yeah, nice to have you with us as well, Steve. Um, now, um, your business, of course, very much involved in new connected technology, and that certainly is something that has we've really seen the advent of over the course of the uh, the last uh, couple of years through the COVID nineteen situation. It's probably one of the sort of good things to sort of come out of this that sort of acceleration of the digital revolution. But before we sort of talk about that in a little bit more detail, um, what has the pandemic meant for you and your business, New Icon? What have been some of the sort of challenges and opportunities to have arose from it? Um, yeah, well, I guess like a lot of people out there really, um, it's unknown. Uh, so you don't know, you know, suddenly we have clients, so we obviously work with lots of clients and help them build software and various sort of applications and you get projects. And of course, the first thing um, when that uncertainty hits, is that right? Well, that big project that we are about to commission, we better pause because we need to reserve our cash because we don't know what the future is going to happen. So there's a big knock-on effect. So um, there was a month there, well, a couple of months really, where a lot of our customers paused. Um, understandably, we did the same to lots of our suppliers as well. Like you know, uh, we were doing it at the point we were doing some sales training, we were doing some other marketing activities, and 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 other projects we had on, we just basically said to them, all, yeah, we're going to have to stop that project because, mm. you know, we just don't know if that cash is going to be back. So that was the, the major impact. Um, obviously, your, your team being remote, uh, so there was that issue. Um, and so that's, that's, I guess, very similar to lots of, lots of, other, lots of other companies, really. Yeah, absolutely. And when you talk about sort of remote working, um, there's been a lot of uh, talk about that now being a permanent part of the way that we do business in this country, because, you know, we've shown that it's been possible having sort of done it on a wholesale basis out of necessity. Um, in the case of your business, New Icon, is that something that you see sort of staying with you in the long term, um, allowing that sort of flexible working pattern to persist? Yeah, definitely. I mean, hybrid working for sure is here for us to stay. We've actually... Um, for us, it's been actually really good because people expect, you know, everyone's used to video calling. Um, we were, we've actually been able to hire, sort of expand our net. So we're based in Bristol, but we were able to, to sort of to try and recruit uh, developers and um, digital experts you know, across the country, even the world. So um, we've actually now got a few permanent staff uh, based in Nottingham or in Bristol, um, which we hired during the pandemic, the pandemic. So um so that's actually really good. Ours has actually got sold during during the sort of uh, pandemic. So um we were all remote at the time. I think we were talking about before we were thinking about moving office but then we were all remote and so the sale of the office went went through. Um it does mean we don't have nothing to go back to unfortunately. Um we're just now thinking about maybe finding somewhere like, you know, it is good to meet up personally and the team have actually asked, you know, like it would be great if we could have somewhere to go. We can hire a meeting room, of course, and there's lots of co-working spaces that pop up. But we think we'd like our own space in the new year. So we're going to look for um, 
look, and it won't be mandatory, it's going to be more of a get everyone on laptop, um, bring your laptops in and you know, set up for the day and you can come in when you when you want to. So we're going to kind of have that more flexible working. So it really depends what you're trying to do. We also work with clients doing workshops and things like that. On, um, so what we do is, is design and build of you know, anything from websites to applications. And so there's this, this first quite collaborative design stage. Mm. But we can do that in those days. But it's obviously very nice and we also meet people in person and you know, get the whiteboard together and have a tea and coffee and biscuits and that kind of stuff. Yeah, and I think there's always going to be a place for sort of that office side of things as well, because I think we have missed the sort of in-person interaction. And of course, those water cooler moments that we have in person are going to be really, really important for sort of driving innovation moving forward. And as well, when we think of sort of mental health and well-being concerns, which have significantly been amplified by the last two years, um, of course, there are benefits to flexible working um, and working from home for the work-life balance. But as leaders as well, I suppose it's a bit easier to sort of get the social cues of when someone's maybe not quite in the right headspace in person rather than sort of over a Zoom call where sort of the nuances aren't quite the same. So, you know, there are mental health benefits on both sides aren't there that we really have to consider there definitely are yeah i mean we've actually found that it's harder to escape work so people have probably been working a lot more than they normally would in the office mm. also you know um if you've got clients or things pinging at you there's this this can be the feeling that you just can't escape it and, and if you have a particularly hard day or a particularly you know hard client or something like that um in a team you know, a hard day can quite easily be resolved by just having a, a little debrief at the end of the day, or maybe you go around and have an after work drink and just, you know, you can almost turn that, that hard day into actually a pleasurable experience through getting through it and have that camaraderie, but you don't get that when you don't have an office, and that's, that's mm. something we're missing. And, and just being more self-disciplined to actually escape work, because, you know, for lots of people, you might work in the same room, but they're also... Um, you know, doing their recreation or where they spend their evening, and suddenly, you know, where's that? Where's that divide? When am I not working? That's really important. And the other thing I, I found, and this is actually something that we were doing before the pandemic, we've always been very suspicious of chat boards because, um, especially because we are generally developers, and sometimes we can avoid that, you know, human skill and like you messaging someone back next to you. Mm-hmm. And it's always we always promote, you know face-to-face first and then gradually try, you know, and then this, you know, now it'd be face-to-face, if you can do that Zoom call, then maybe chat, but also just how you interact on things like chat tools because, you know, it's quite nice to have banter. I think it's maybe quite an English yeah. kind of thing. You have banter in the office between people, um, but over a chat, you can't necessarily gauge how a joke um, might come across. And so we just need to be relentlessly positive all the time on chat, like, you know, um, because you just don't know how someone might have taken it on the other end, and you don't know, uh, you know, whereas in the office when we've got those, those body language cues, you can see, oh, they're just joking, having a fun, uh, you know, we're just, we're just, um, it can be dissolved. Whereas you don't, you just, uh, from from me, from my point of view as a, as a manager, like in the office, that would be very easy to keep up. I can see where someone's taking something bad, or or if someone in the team is not quite working, or if they're feeling, but I just don't, I, I don't get that visibility. So I have to, you know, to be able to. If someone does something over chat, I have to just be relentlessly, let's be, which is nice anyway, just relentless yeah. um, positivity, if, if that makes sense. And, but, but then you but then you miss the opportunity to have a bit of banter, you know, like when you need a, a situation. 
situation that, that, that might be just much easier to control in an office. Yeah, I think there are a couple of important things there. Um, that sort of social dynamic and sort of reading the room is a lot easier in person. And also the fact that it sort of blurs the line between work and home life when you're working from home constantly. And sometimes it's difficult to kind of put the buffers on work because you're just tempted to sort of carry on and do this and do that. And you certainly do find that you're doing a hell of a lot more than you would normally. Yeah, very, very interesting indeed, yeah. Um, when we think about sort of mental health concerns just a bit more broadly as well, Steve, um, something that we've been talking um, a lot about within this organisation, the Leaders' Council recently, is um, the importance of our mental health as business leaders as well. And, of course, we can talk a lot about how important it is that we're safeguarding the well-being of our colleagues. But it's very easy when we're sort of leading by example, and especially when we're in survival mode, like during a pandemic, to sort of go in there all guns blazing and spend so much sort of capital looking after everybody else that we almost neglect to kind of look after ourselves as the leader of it all. And so I think it's important to remember as well that you can, even when you're at the top and you're sort of overseeing everything, you can sort of take that time to pause and step back as and when you need to as well. Is that sort of something that you would agree with? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's incredibly important. It's incredibly important from uh, sort of my point of view, because from a leadership perspective, I suppose if you are not running at your full capacity, I suppose that you're not going to be in a position to help anybody else for certain. And that's a great lesson, I think, that we've taken from the pandemic from a well-being perspective. Um, when we think of sort of lessons and setbacks, do you think that we almost have to experience sort of a setback or failure, if we call it that, to actually be able to better ourselves and improve. So that's to say, do you think that we almost have to fail in order to succeed in business and sort of in life in general, really? Definitely. But I mean, I, I think a better way of thinking about it is experiments. Um, mm. So so what trying you know, you might hear things like we live in the software world and it's very agile, we talk about agile and, and sprints and time boxing, but, but really uh, I think a better way to, to think about things is, is running, say, two-week experiments that, that you are, you know, the risk is low enough that if it completely fails, it's not going to be, you know, take, don't think of the failure, think of the learning, you've actually learned something. So you, you've learned a way that might not work or a dynamic that doesn't work. I mean, we're going through this moment as we grow to try and, figure out different structures for the team. And, um, you know, there's always this illusion that, you know, we know what we're doing <laughs> or that other companies know what they're doing. But most people don't, you know, and, and every company is unique. And so when you frame it and actually as a team, what will we work, what will work? You know, lots of people have ideas. The important thing is, okay, well, let's pick, pick the one we think's best. Mm-hmm. Let's run it as a two-week experiment. And we'll, we'll delay the decision to when we've learned more. And, and um just, make, just framing that I find is very important. Um, uh, so certainly in our, our tech, technology world, failure is super important, but it's, it's more thinking of uh, defining the value as the ability is learning. So, so you frame the, so you frame it more as experiments and learn, like how can we rapidly learn yeah. um, and, and think of it that way, I think helps. Yeah, I completely understand where you're coming from from that point of view as well. Um, And 
I think it's important that business moves with the uh, the times and sort of recognises the changing landscape that we're in. And it certainly seems that New Icon is looking to do that. And the reason I say that is because during the pandemic and obviously since the start of the year, when we've also seen sort of Brexit take full form as well, we're hearing a lot about skill shortages um, in various key um, industries. And New Icon have launched just last year, actually, the New Icon Academy, which is driven to training more people on how to sort of take command of technology and software and actually upskill that next generation of software developers and tech professionals. And this comes at a time where there is a gap in digital skills. So it seems as if you've identified that and now you're looking to really do something about this problem. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's two problems, I think. One is, uh, there seems to be also backlash about having people come to England, which is strange, but um, I, I used to work for Abbott before, before this, they had a wonderful multicultural team of people from across the world, and it, it was really good to get the diversity of opinion, and it worked really well. I, I don't think there's enough young people potentially, but you know people aren't having enough chip, enough kids, so we can't re- really. I mean, the economy's growing theoretically, so or or I guess even stay the same, like the number of active bodies out there is shrinking. So uh, there's just not enough people. So if we want to grow and be successful as a business, we have to recruit. We can't just recruit in, in the UK. There's just not enough people. Um, so you know, and, and do we want to be a talent pool where people lead to opportunities? Further afield, or you know, if you want to provide the opportunity here, um, so that's uh, I guess yeah. The reason we launched the Arkham Academy is just to we were investing a lot in, in training people uh, with digital digital skills, and we just wanted to formalise that because uh, we did just identify that talent is going to be a real barrier to, to future growth. And so mm. there's, there's another reason as well because you know. Um, the future is automation. So, you know, if anything that's mundane can be automated, we can automate that. And so the economy can rapidly skip to, um, you know, automation, essentially, robotic automation, that kind of stuff. However, that doesn't mean that there's not going to be jobs. We load more job creation, but it's going to be a much more creative way of thinking and much more digital skills, and it's actually much more enjoyable. And so the idea is that the academy would be to... Um, you know, potentially rescale, get more people in. I mean, that, that's a dream. We haven't quite created it yet, but it's still a work in progress. But um, we've certainly launched our first thing, which is all around um, innovation, um, the innovation kit, all around how to help teams innovate um, and how to help teams become more creative so we can rapidly, you know, create these uh, new services, new tools, and also help, you know, their, their companies grow um, and, and equip, them, equip them with the skills. A lot, of, a lot of time we find that the tech companies get stuck at the technology part and we say, well, actually, the, the trick is not to worry about the technology. Focus on on what you're trying to achieve first and then the technology is usually the easy part. It's usually, before, you know, once you know what you're trying to achieve, the technology is, is much more definable at that point. Um, really only limited by your imagination is what we say. So, um, so yeah, that was one of the, the key drivers. I think it's going to be very important to be the future plus. If you've, if you've learned um, a lot of things the time as well, we hire someone at the university or college, um, by the time they start in their professional career, the technology's moved on. And so they would have to learn. So there's, this, there's also a continuous learning expectation. If you want to be a good programmer, you, know, you need to be engaged, you need to enjoy the field. I mean, it's true, though, across all people, really. 
um, you know, you have to keep one eye on the uh, on on the future. So I think in, in job careers of the future, you know, you're going to have to the con- continuous learning um, requirements. It's not like you learn and then you just go into doing mode. It's like you know, a, a good percentage of your time you have to be continuously learning because the tools there's nothing to still and the technology is changing rapidly. Yeah, and I think this is why the role of industry is incredibly important in addressing the skills gap as well. A lot of people are looking to government to reform education, but education can quickly become outdated and it does take time for these reforms to take effect. So industry has also got to take a lead in this and it seems very much that New Icon is looking to uh, to do just that. And um, just given as well that we're talking about education and you know that next generation, um, it suffices to say that a lot of um, our regular listeners on this podcast do tend to be younger people of that entrepreneurial mindset, let's say. And having Steve sort of established um, your own business that's become a success, if you had to maybe give one piece of advice to somebody who might have that big business idea of their own out there and might be looking to start their own company, what sort of advice would you give them to really help them embark on that road to success? Oh. Oh, that's a big one. Um, one piece of, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I would probably say, based on the point of learning, you have to, you know, the business generally grows when you grow yourself um, or you plug the hole to your own gaps of knowledge. Um, don't underestimate if your technology here. Um, there's a great book, I think it's called The E-Myth, where it's about uh, people creating companies that they're good at. Now, I did exactly this. I created a company, a technology company, because I love technology. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean I'll be good at running a business that sells technology. It's like a, uh, the, the chef's creating a restaurant. Because, you know, if you're really passionate about cooking, or, you know, you're not going to spend most of your time doing that. You're going to spend managing people, creating um, creative structures, the need to, to keep that business running, but um, if you, yeah, uh, so if that's good and you enjoy learning and you enjoy growing, don't forget the marketing. That's really important. Or the sales. These are all valid skills. Um, and yeah, go for it. It's, it's um, uh, yeah. So you need to keep looking at yourself just as much as uh, you do as the external environment. Uh, I suppose that's the uh, one piece of advice I would give. And make sure you've got a good support network around you because it can be hard and everything's always your fault. <laughs> Yeah, no, I think that support network is really important because um, I think we've learned more than ever in the past couple of years that we're not alone in business, are we? I mean, there are always others who are kind of in the same position as we are that we can learn from and network with. So there's always the opportunity to go to other people, learn from them. We don't have to go in gung-ho and try and do it all ourselves. Um and just thinking about sort of the future now, particularly over the year, the next year, of course, there are still a great many variables in what trajectory the pandemic is going to take. But we're seeing some of the hard won gains of the UK economy having reopened. So in an ideal environment, um, where would you like sort of to see new icon by this time next year, Steve? And what would you sort of hope for the business to have achieved by then, do you think? Well, we're planning um, this, this time next year, I hope we will be reaching our 
we're, we're, we're aiming to grow to, to try and reach two million turnover. Um, we need to hire another seven people uh, next year. Um, so that's technically what we're, we're planning. We'd also like to launch a few more of our um, academy courses. And so really that's the plan for next year. Um, yeah, we, how, how we achieve all of those things is, is we're still in the process of making and talking about the team. But, but certainly the growth in our business is generally about our, our headcounts. We obviously provide services to customers. So, um, so a lot of that growth will come from the hiring of, hiring of more staff and obviously getting more customers and hopefully providing more value to our courses. Um, for training for people who you know, can't necessarily um, be want to do it themselves. We try really we do want to be able to teach people how to do what we do. Um, and then the people you know, that have the time to invest to do that, and the people that don't, we just want to support them and work with them. So that's, that's our version of, of an ideal future. And like I say, hopefully that vision does um, come to uh, fruition over the course of the uh, the next uh, year and beyond, Steve. Um, certainly wish you all the luck in the world in uh, sort of implementing that. And who knows, I mean, there might come a point where we're back on this programme, looking back at this and talking about just how much of a success um, it's all been for you. Great. <laughs> it would be fantastic to look at that in retrospect. And I've certainly enjoyed welcoming you onto the programme today just to talk about what's been going on behind the scenes at New Icon and addressing some of the key issues like how industry can address that sort of skills shortfall within the digital industry. Um, Steve, thank you for joining us on the uh, the show. It's been absolutely fantastic having you with us. And um, do also take care and stay safe with all that's still going on as well, I should say. Yeah, you too. Thanks, Jeff. Enjoy it so much. And of course, to all of our regular listeners tuning in today, um, if you feel that you have your own story like Steve's of success and of innovation to share with us at the Leaders Council, then by all means, you also can apply to be on the show via leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash apply. Um, Until that next time to everybody, I do hope that you thoroughly enjoyed today's interview with Steve O'Brien from New Icon. And until the next time, take care and goodbye.